0: Good afternoon everybody. Um, I know a number of you, most of you probably will know Vernon Fowler in Aberdeen and um, it was, it was. Um, this was where I first gave this talk and uh, he was on the phone and he was asking me what uh, subject I was going to speak on and I, I said um, um, the purpose of prayer and, and immediately afterwards saying that I thought that's a bit arrogant really, you know as if I could talk for and talk about the purpose of prayer because um, it's a huge, big subject. But but you know what Vernon is like? He's very nice and very very friendly and he very kindly said, oh, a nice bit of alliteration there, Lindsay. And I started thinking, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's okay. And then um, I thought about it. I thought, oh, you could have fun with alliteration, with prayer. In fact, um, it so happened um, while I was... after I started preparing this talk a while ago, I was reading the book Speaking to the Heart by Brother Dennis Gillett and it's got a chapter... A book two part of it is is the pathway of prayer. And in that the chapters are variously headed privilege and possibility, preparation and practice, peace, purity, power, provision, pardon, protection, public prayer, practice and personal preference, and prayer problems. And um, somebody else also said perseverance or persistent prayer. And uh, so we'll put that aside for a minute and just talk a little bit about prayer this afternoon so it's a huge subject um, I, I would recommend that that book that i've just um quoted from um, it's got some very interesting and helpful things to say uh, and in fact brother dennis gillett said that when he was a youngster before he became a christadelphian um, he was told that prayer was the raising of the heart and mind to god and he thought then that that was a good um way of thinking about it and he still think, thought that you know all his life that that was a good way of of a little summary of what what prayer um, can be about the, the raising of the heart and mind to God. And one other book that I'd like to to mention, um, there's that's a book by um, that I read uh, years ago. Brother Cyril Tennant and Brother Melva Perkis wrote uh, the principles and practice of prayer, and that too is a very useful book um, if you 're wanting to read more on this subject, but what I want to as I say to do this afternoon is just to spend a little bit of time looking at um, prayers and, and some of the things that they are about um, and it 's by no means uh, comprehensive. I do want to start off though in, in Luke chapter eighteen because there there are some people um, and and I can understand it where we feel that i 'm um, not able to pray. Um, uh, i'm not uh, worthy of praying i'm uh, you know and just shy away from the difficulty of praying but there's a a very helpful parable here i think um, that jesus taught and in luke chapter 18 and verse 10 um, jesus said two men went up into the temple to pray the one a pharisee and the other a publican. The opposite ends of a spectrum as well of of people who perceive themselves to be good and somebody who perceives themselves to be, in this case, um, not worthy of anything. And verse 11 says, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank... Now, notice that the prayers... God is addressed in the prayer, but Jesus says of him, "He he is praying with himself. Although he's mentioning God, God really isn't uh, the object of his prayer because we continue by reading and saying, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this, as this publican. Um, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And that was the prayer that um, the publican, sorry, the Pharisee uh, gave and prayed thus with himself and the publican, verse 13, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, um, uh, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A very simple, short prayer um, where the publican recognised his true position before God and his true need, in fact, for God, whereas all the pharisee did was to thank god that he was not as this other person was um, and he wasn't a bad person he didn't sin in all the ways that other people did and he did all the right things by tithing um, and uh, and so on Um, but but that prayer jesus says wasn't any useful that that wasn't a purposeful prayer and to god because the pharisee was just praying with himself Thinking about how good he was, um, and implicit in uh, the two was uh, the two prayers. Is, was that the publicans um, showed a humility uh, before God, and humility is an aspect of prayer that is absolutely essential. Because after all, we are praying to um, the great Creator. Let's then turn to Matthew chapter six for a few moments. And, and this is the Lord's Prayer. And I, I remember as a, a, a youngster, it does seem an awful long time ago, but it, at school, uh, not the practice nowadays, but at school, we used to always start off standing by our desks. Um, I think we probably said, good morning, miss, or whatever her name was. Um, and then we said the Lord's Prayer. Um, and uh, I, I I was... Um, on another occasion, to do with something else I was doing, um, I, I asked, um, does anybody, in, in Christadelphian audience, does anybody say the Lord's Prayer daily? And at least one person said, yes, he, he still, still continues to speak the Lord's Prayer, to think about the Lord's Prayer um, each day. So in Matthew chapter 6, um, it's interesting in verse 5, Um, Jesus really is referring to this sort of parable that he gave in Luke chapter 18 because he says in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6 And when thou prayest thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of streets that they may be seen of men Verily I say unto you they have their reward so praying like that was something that they wanted to do because they felt good about it. And um, and Jesus says, well, that's all that's going to happen. You'll just feel good about it and nothing more. But, verse 6, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret and um, shall reward thee openly. So there is an aspect um, of prayer which does bring a benefit, a um, a blessing to us um, which uh, we we mustn't uh, dismiss and uh, we need to take seriously a blessing from God, no less, um, our Heavenly Father. Um, So verse um, 9 says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, says Jesus, Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. And this is um, really some, a couple of, of, of interesting things about that. Because one is is that there's an aspect of God which is, is a fatherly aspect. Uh, 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 but there's also a, an aspect of God being really holy. Hallowed be thy name. And the name of God represents all that he is. Um, and uh, how, how great he is and so um, these are two aspects that we, we need to bring together the privilege that we have of calling God our father not as I said this morning as just being the creator of all mankind um, as he is but in particular to us as a, as a father who, who really cares for us because we have responded to him our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name it's um, praise and prayer to God. Prayer prayer includes praising God. And then we have um, the first petition, as it were, in, in verse 10. Um, Thy kingdom come. The need that we know that there is for something better to be in place. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And although there are aspects of that have been... How can we know, as one brother said, what it is that God does in heaven, other than He rules and that he's in complete control and has these angels? But uh, a picture of what exactly what happens in heaven is perhaps not um, our gift. In our gift, but at least we know that God is in control and in charge in heaven. And whereas, although God does rule in the kingdom of men as as we know from, from the prophecies there's an aspect of which God is allowing men to work out and um, the mankind to work out what he wants to do, we have this free will and um, which will continue uh, until God says enough is enough like he did in the days of Noah um, when he saw that the imaginations of man's thoughts was only evil continually a simple petition also though in verse 11 in this uh, this prayer give us this daily this day our daily bread and that, that's quite difficult for us to to think about uh, in today's society i suppose because how many of us um, are thinking about really what we need for today rather than um, thinking about what do we need tomorrow or next week or um, whenever the, the our cupboards um, and our fridges I've got plenty of food in them in, in most cases um, and uh, it's not the sort of thing that we have to pray for in the sense that we really need our daily bread because we're not sure where it's going to come from in the time of um, in poorer countries of course in the world today um, even as I speak there are people and places where they aren't sure where their next um, mouthful of food is going to come from But nonetheless, we still need to, in our consciousness, think about the fact that God gives us our daily bread and that we need to ask God for that. It's um, a blessing um, from God. Interestingly enough, um, in Proverbs, there's a proverb which suggests that we should be asking for just enough bread, not too much, um, not too little, just enough bread um, in Proverbs because if we have too much then um, we'll rely on the food and not rely on God. And if we haven't enough um, bread, then we'll spend our time wondering about where it's coming from. So in Proverbs chapter 30, it's verses 8 and 9, if you want to look at it later, it gives a suggestion, it says a suggestion that we should, be, we should have enough bread for what we need so we don't need to worry about it, and not too much so that we um, forget to rely on God. Verse 12 is about um, our sins. If you look at the Luke record of the Lord's Prayer, it talks about, talks about sins rather than debts. I always did think it was, I don't know why it is, but Matthew prayer was the one that you used to see at school. And I'm never, you know, I never think, I'd give us, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, really, it's about sin. We've to, we're wanting for our, asking for our sins to be forgiven. And um, as a consequence of that, we ought to, forgive those that sin against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil and of course i'm just skipping through this um this this uh, prayer because um, i want to look at some others and um, just as an aside uh, brother harry wissaker i'm sure it was once said that um, he, um when he was cycling to work every day and uh, what well, he did cycle to work every day and um, one week he decided that what he was going to do was on his cycle run maybe not uh, in today's traffic where you've got to be thinking and keeping your wits about you all the time but he decided that on, on the way to work he would be thinking on one phrase of the Lord's Prayer Our Father which art in heaven perhaps and, and he, you could think about that for a long time and, it, so, and all of these phrases that I'm just uh, briefly mentioning are worthy of more detailed thought uh, and discussion uh, and study but verse 13 goes on to say, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, and it's really a recognition that in the world there are difficulties and problems um, that, that come our way. Uh, and that we need uh, God to be watching over us. Not that God stops things happening. Um, God, um, we're told, um, won't tempt us above that which we are able, but will with the temptation make a way that we are, we are able to escape. Um, and so we've got to understand the, this prayer also with the rest of scripture. Um, and then the, the end of the prayer in verse 13, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so there's just one prayer that Jesus gave that has got purpose to it, that we can think of. There are various purposes in, in, in that prayer um, and aspects of that prayer that uh, are part of, or should be part of the sort of prayer that we give. And that we um, pray um, during our, our lives. Um, but it's not just about um, these things. I want to go to Psalm 142. So I've already alluded to the fact that um, our life isn't all plain sailing. Even when we are praying to God. And... Um, And Psalm 42 in some Bibles it will have a a, a heading um, and the heading is a prayer um, and it's a prayer of David when he was in the cave and uh, it was a difficult time in the life of David, a time when things weren't going well when things were a problem uh, for him and so Here he says in verse 1 of Psalm 142 I cried unto the Lord with my voice with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication I poured out my complaint before him I showed before him my trouble and here was David praying and the purpose of his prayer was to complain to God not not in the sense that um, I'm just going to have a wee moan and, and things aren't right and, and things not, might be well, perhaps a little bit better but in the sense that here was David in a real fix a real difficult situation a situation which um, he was really uncomfortable in a situation where actually he couldn't do very much about and he took it to God and I think that's an interesting concept um, to have that when there are times, perhaps in our lives, when we think, "Well, I can't take this to God," or, or we hear of other people who who um, seem to take problems to God and only problems to God, and, and we perhaps think that maybe that's not right, but but really, um, who else can we take to things to when we we are in difficulty and in trouble? Um, my mind was taken to Isaiah chapter forty-five. verse 20 um, of Isaiah 45 Assemble yourselves and come near uh, Sorry, assemble yourselves and come draw near together ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up wood for the of a graven image and pray unto God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Ye let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord and there is no God else beside me a just God and a saviour there is none beside me and just as God is establishing that, that all the other false gods of the world they, and, and Isaiah eh, 40 to 45 and a bit beyond has got some very interesting and uh, um, ideas about idols you know that, that you've even got to, to fasten them in place with a nail to make sure they don't fall and and people won't fall down and worship them they, uh, they cut down a tree and they, they bake bread with it, they, they, they throw something, and they make a fire with it. And with the residue, he says, they, they, they make a, a god and fall down and worship to it. And it makes mockery of the images and the false gods that the world has. Mm-hmm. But here God is establishing, look, these things that the world establishes are of no good. Verse 22, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow every tongue shall swear saying surely shall one say in the Lord have I righteousness and strength even to him shall men come and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed and in Israel in the Lord sorry shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory but it's really this concept this understanding that we must have that um, god is the lord and there there is none else and that he asks us he he pleads implores us in fact to to uh, come um, look unto me and be ye saved and so when we are in dire straits when we are in difficulty when we we can't see where things are going and when we can't see an end to the problems and difficulties and sufferings When we are in a situation where naturally we say what am I going to do when we think things aren't fair where we wonder if there is a God because if there was a God we might say to ourselves why is this happening to me? Then I think we could do no better than to pour out our complaint as David did to God. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, when thou knewest my paths in the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand, and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living tend unto my cry for I am brought very low deliver me from my persecutors for they are stronger than I bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name the righteous shall compass me about for thou shalt deal bountifully with me and so taking our complaint To God and thinking about what God will do, thinking about where we are and what our situation is, um, is one which is a blessing and a privilege that we have because we know that God hears. We are told that God hears, and God answers prayer. So, um, whether we don't have to be in a in a very um, religious mindset as it were um, to pray to God it seems to me by looking at Psalm 142 we can be in a very low place a very difficult position when refuge seems to have failed we need to cry unto God there's a purpose to praying to God in these circumstances Let's look at another um, psalm then. Psalm eight, and this is this seems to me to be a prayer of somebody um, who's in a good place, as it were, a place where where things are are. Um, on a much more even keel um, a place where uh, they are just contemplating the wonder and the majesty and the might of god verse one of Psalm 8, o lord our lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth who hast set thy glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and suckling hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. And just a concept there of God being able and will um, destroy all the enemies. The psalmist goes on really in verse 3 to consider the work of the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. And then in awe says, what, a, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And so here's a prayer which is, is praising God and at the same time recognising the position that we are in. Um, and it's, it's an, an awesome prospect to think about God and him being a mighty and a powerful God and all that he has done, the creator of heaven and earth and we just need to look at a little part of creation and see the wonder of it and think about how many times that's multiplied throughout nature to wonder... At the power and the glory of God, and then we think of ourselves as being man. And the wonder of this psalm also is that it applies to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory. And honour, and the, the writer to the Hebrews picks that up in, in, in chapter 2 and uh, refers this and uh, describes this as being Jesus that has been spoken about. Jesus has been crowned with glory and honour uh, by his Heavenly Father. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, thou hast put all things under his feet, and then and we, we see Jesus, all power and authority. And heaven and earth is given to Jesus after his resurrection. All the sheep and oxen, yea, all the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, verse 8, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the pass of the earth. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And so both on a, on a literal creation sense, in wondering about, the, the, about God and our Heavenly Father, In the sense of all that he has created and also in that he has created and provided Jesus Christ um, as a means of our salvation as we considered a little bit more this morning. I'd like to go to to Nehemiah chapter 1 now. And then I think those of you who have written... Um, the principles and practice um, prayer principles and practice by Bresm Cyril and, and Melba and we'll remember that Nehemiah is chosen as a as a book which um, does give, give some um, very interesting helpful things to say about prayer um, I keep on meaning to reread it again um, sometime and I must do that sometime soon I'll put it, put it on my reading list now that I'm retired Nehemiah chapter 1 Um, Nehemiah was in captivity and um, he heard in verse 3 what had happened um, or what was happening in Jerusalem that the walls were broken down and and burned up and verse 4 and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven I don't know how, how many days it was that uh, Nehemiah um, wept and mourned and, and sat down and fasted but w- what we have here is a few verses o- of his prayer um, I don't think this is all that Nehemiah prayed Prayed, um, in fact I think there must have been throughout the days that he, he mourned and he fasted um, there, there must have been almost a continuous um, prayer but here is it where is a formal prayer that, that Nehemiah says and i said i beseech thee O Lord god of heaven the great and terrible god that keepeth covenant and uh, um, and mercy for them that love him and keep his commandments so it's again about addressing God um in heaven um, a great and terrible god and um, not a. I wish I had a more to have a more modern version for terrible, um, a great and, and mighty God is it? Uh, awesome God, I think it was. Was it said awesome God in the in the version that we had? Anyway, it's um, yeah. not terrible as an awful, but um, awesome. M- awesome, okay, as opposed to, to terrible. An, an awesome God, um, he and then he he recognises that he keeps mercy. For them that love him and observe his commandments. And he asks God to be attentive um, to the prayer. Verse 6: Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. It's, it's asking God to engage in what Nehemiah is saying, to see and to hear, um, which he prays before you this day and night. Okay, So it wasn't just a short prayer, but it was more than one contemplation. For the children of Israel thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. And interestingly enough, I don't know if you noticed that at the end of verse 5, it, it, it um, the prayer was really to... To the God, the merciful God, um, who is merciful to them that love Him and observe His commandments, and now here Nehemiah is, is confessing that that we have sinned, him and done terrible things um, against you. We have verse seven. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept thy commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. And then he says, remember I beseech thee the words that thou, thou commandest thy servant Moses saying, if ye transgress I will scatter you among the nations. And that really has that happened, that's why they were in, in Babylon, they were in captivity because they had transgressed. But verse 9 says but if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them though there were of you cast out into the uttermost parts of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand verse 11 Lord I beseech thee let thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper I pray thee thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And that that's uh, the king for he was the king's cupbearer. And so Nehemiah having recognised the dire straits that he and his father's house were in. And the terrible things that they had done and the sin that they had sinned. Um, and had not kept the commandments. But here he was turning to God. And he was asking God to hear and to bless and to prosper the prayer for something to be done about it. I'm not going to spend long in, in chapter 2, but in chapter 2, Nehemiah, the next uh, thing we read about him, it came to pass that um, some uh, a number of months later, of, uh, four months later, um, it seems from the beginning of Nehemiah, that um, Nehemiah was before the king, um, and he was sad. Um, and the king noticed this and said, you know, why are you sad? Uh, and he was sore afraid. And he said um, the reason for him being sad was the difficulty, the, the problems that, that he had been praying about uh, for once. He didn't say it like that, but he said, you know, the problems of, of Israel, my people, my nation. Um, Verse 3, he said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? And the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? And I I don't know, but I suspect that the next bit tells us about the shortest prayer in the Bible because it says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, verse 4, 5. If it pleased the king, so here was was Nehemiah before the king. The king had asked, "What would you like to do?" And Nehemiah thought, "Well, I can't do it on my own." So he he asked for God's help, and and I'm sure he didn't um, say, "Excuse me, King, while I go and uh, pray to God." It would be in his mind; it would be a, a quick thought: "God help me," or something like that. Um, and he said, "This is what I would like to happen," and uh, he asked very quickly in a prayer for God's help. So I prayed to the God of heaven it it wasn't just a one time prayer You know, here's a big, difficult, tricky situation I'll just pray to God to help because um, I'm not used to doing that sort of thing Um, he had spent many days uh, the previous chapter uh, thinking about the problem and praying to God many days and nights in fact it says in Nehemiah chapter 1 but here he also prayed to God in this short moment Um, and so uh, God granted the request, um, the king um, Artaxerxes granted him um, the time and the resources to go and to do something about Jerusalem and we can read about that in the the rest of the book what Nehemiah did though in this chapter was um, in this um, chapter 1 was that he prayed for himself (coughs) and for the people both we have sinned both against thee Um, he says both I and my father's house um, they have sinned Against God, and he says, "What I, um, my, I, your servant, have sinned, and your servants have sinned." And uh, that uh, is an interesting aspect um, about prayers. In fact, um, of the the great men of of faith, Moses uh, prayed for for the people, and Daniel paid, prayed for the people, Nehemiah prayed for the people and for their sins. And so that's one of the purposes of prayer. So um, I want to conclude by just looking um, at Psalm 51, which is a much more personal um, prayer um, of David. We're not going to read the whole psalm we're just going to read a few verses at the beginning and the end um, this is uh, reckoned to be the time um, after Nathan the prophet had come to David and um, pointed out to him in no uncertain terms that that um, he was the one that had sinned and um, David had managed to um, with his human nature and the, the way that we managed to do things put behind the sins of him was adultery with Bathsheba and his killing of Uriah the Hittite and it was Nathan the prophet came to him and confronted him with a parable and David made his judgement about the person in the parable and uh, Nathan said you are the man and uh, it hit David that he was in in fact the object as it were of of this parable that he had condemned the man in and so his prayer is have mercy unto me O God according to thy loving kindness according to the multitude of thy tender mercies Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. And so that was David taking his prayer to God for the sin that he had sinned. He recognised and understood that this was a great sin, against God and he, he required, he needed God's abundant mercy. Um, verse 14, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, o, o God. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips. And my praise shall show forth thy praises. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Just contrast that with the um, Pharisee that we had at the beginning in Luke chapter 18 who prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And David here took full responsibility for his prayer for his sin, and acknowledged his sin before God. That his sin against thee, the only have I son, sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And uh, so, what David wants to be able to do is to praise God, and open his mouth and show forth his praise. Verse eighteen: Do good in Zion, in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of jerusalem it happened in nehemiah's time in in a literal sense and in a in a perhaps spiritual sense is yet to happen when jesus returns to this earth when thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offering and with whole burnt offerings then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar and so david looked forward to a time when in jerusalem god's name would be praised and honoured as it ought to be and he wanted to be part of it and though he had estranged himself from God the purpose of this prayer was to seek God's forgiveness so we just had a, a quick and a brief look um, about prayer and the sort of purposefulness of prayer what what can be done what we need to do in in our prayer and there are many more examples and um, if you want to see more about it you know and um, I wish that um, I had read Brother Dennis Gillett's book before I prepared this um, but um, I would commend that to you if you want to read it um, but look at the prayers of, of scripture and see um, what it is that men um, have prayed and women have prayed for and um, been blessed with an answer. Um, prayer is is not something that um, and sadly uh, the world just takes us as a, a line to God or that who might be there Um, when there is nothing else that man can do and a a problem Uh, you hear uh, when there are problems with Apollo years I keep on mentioning years and years ago must be a sign of old age but um, when there was a problem with the Apollo mission Apollo 13 and the people on the radio were saying I pray to God for the first time I've done in 20-30 years um, that the the astronauts might come home safe prayer is not um, a, a, a line like that it's, it needs to be a lifetime of things but it leads to be that nothing in our life is not taken in prayer to God I, I'll just leave you with, with one example um, there's a sister who, who um, in our ecclesia uh, a number of years ago said um, I, I pray to God that I'll find a parking place and I, I was kind of i taken back a bit and then I thought about it and what she was doing was, um, she was, she was elderly and um, she didn't really like driving but um, driving was her lifeline when it got to the meeting but, but also during the week she took two other elderly sisters um, to, to shopping and, and it was a bit of a chore because these two sisters um, had their foibles like we all have and uh, they weren't very stable in their feet and, and she was doing this because um, they were her sisters. But the one fear she had was that am I going to find a parking place so she, she prayed to God now that wasn't the only thing that that sister prayed for God was in every other part of her life still is in every other part of her life and, and he, she also prayed to God about that and so whilst at first I thought that's a silly thing to pray for I've got to be honest I, think, I don't think I would do that um, if that's all I'm going to pray to God about then it's wrong surely but if every other ever part of our life um, God is in, then surely it can't be wrong um, when you're trying to do and serve God. Prayer is a very powerful thing, but it should be part of our life, in um, all aspects of it. God should be in every part, and we can do that through prayer.